Hello and welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host Victoria Smith and today on the podcast I'm really excited to have this conversation which I know is funny to say I'm excited about it but I'm talking about with a guest today about grief and it is such an important conversation because I think especially in as I discussed this with Melody Chardon, our guest, I realized how many experiences we have that are in fact grief and how it is not only the loss of, you know, the death of someone that we love or that we care about. Grief is so much more than that. Um, and I don't know about you, but I think by the end of this episode, you'll find yourself going back and looking at hard, painful moments in your life and suddenly realizing they were in fact grief and having certain tools and strategies now to work through them. So as I said, our, our guest today is Melody Chardon, a proud single mother of two recent university graduates. She's a certified professional coach, grief specialist, and mental fitness trainer. Melody has helped hundreds of parents and partners create a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life. Using loss as a catalyst for healing, transformation, and awakening, Melody guides her clients through an effective and efficient process to release the past and embrace the future after death, divorce, a career transition, or retirement. Melody believes our unique diamond beauty comes from the pressure and stress we endure during uncertain times of loss and change. Her message is loving and direct. Loss and change are inevitable. Ongoing pain and suffering don't have to be. I truly believe you'll find this episode meaningful no matter what you're going through right now because I think so many of us are experiencing, if nothing else, the grief of the pandemic and loss and change of situations that used to be our normal and most definitely are not anymore. A couple of things I do want to let you know from the outset. Melody has an upcoming workshop on September 21st um, called Reduce Your Stress, Stop Saying Yes to Everything. So I'm going to include a link to register for that in today's show notes, as well as a link to Melody's website. So if you're interested in getting in touch with her, check out the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast episode, it will be in the description as well so that you can find that. Last announcement I just want to make is don't forget Friday is your very, very, very last day to get the Stressless Summer Bundle, which I'm renaming the Stressless September Bundle, where you can get three of my self-led online programs for stress management at 55% off. Honestly, I just, in, in everything I'm seeing around my friendship groups, social media, family, stress is just going up and up and up with this fourth wave. So I wanted to make sure that you've got a complete toolkit uh, to help manage your stress on your own schedule, when you've got the time, when you feel you have the energy to do the work. Go to the link in the description to sign up for that. It is going to be coming down Friday at midnight, so I would make sure that you snag that before it goes away. So without further ado, let's head into the episode with Melody. Well, thank you, Melody, for joining me on the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you. Victoria, I'm excited to be here. It's, it's funny because we're, we're excited to have a conversation about grief, but I actually think, I, I do think it's very exciting because once you can get to the other side of grief or, you know, resolve your relationship with it, there's just that freeing feeling, right? I would imagine. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it is kind of funny to say that we're excited, but I'm excited because once people know what grief is, they do shift their relationship to it. And just like you said, once they move through grief, all of my clients, when they get to the other side of grief, the one thing that they all say is that they feel lighter and free. Yeah. I want to maybe just level set them by what grief actually is, because I think so many of us have, I don't, I've previously had this limited vision of grief in that it's when you lose someone in your life, but it can be so many other things. So from, from your perspective, what is grief? Well, the Grief Recovery Institute says that there's more than 45 life events that will trigger grief. And, you know, commonly we think it's uh, death and divorce, but it's so much more than that. So the definition that I use for people is grief is the end or change in any familiar pattern, behavior, or relationship. So grief results from the end or change in any familiar pattern, behavior, or relationship. So you think about everything that has happened in the last 18 months, all the changes that we've experienced, all the loss of relationships, the loss of even the loss of commute led to loss of privacy, freedom, time for time for yourself. Yeah, loss of jobs for many people, you know, kids not being able to see their friends at school, like just so many different ways that it it applies. And I would imagine the Grief Recovery Institute did not have pandemic listed on their 45 things previously. No, I'm sure that they didn't. Yeah. (laughs) So we make it 46. And there's probably even more now as a result of the pandemic and all the things that we just talked about. And you know, kids being at home, parents trying to work from home, not having the the privacy you mentioned earlier that your two kids are home during the podcast. And so we've seen lots of people on screen with kids in the background. And it's just, it's been a lot for people to manage. So definitely, you know, the the change or the end of a, a, a situation or a life event, but how does someone know we're all going through so much change right now and people go through it at different stages in their life, no matter what, right? Change is the constant. How do we know what's grief versus what's just, I'm really stressed, what I'm burnt out, I'm just super frustrated. How does someone come to the realization of which is which? That's a really good question because it's kind of tangled all together, but I believe that grief is at the root of everything. So if we go back to the definition being the end or change in any familiar pattern or behavior or relationship, there's an emotional upset. There's emotional energy that we experience and it needs to be moved. And that's part of what grief is. Uh, And so it's tied in there, which could lead to the stress, the frustration, the emotional upset, the burnout. Uh, One of the common symptoms, if you will, of grief is that people can't sleep. So when they're grieving, they can't sleep and they're trying to continue to work, which would then naturally lead to the stress and the burnout that you're talking about. And it's so interesting to me because we talk, I talk to a lot of my clients who are struggling to sleep and it's the, well, I'm doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have the screen time for an hour before bed. I, you know, it's a dark room. I'm doing all the right things and I still struggle to sleep. But right, like you're saying, if that unresolved grief is not dealt with, 
you know, you can do all the right things and not have the outcome that you're hoping for. Um, that concept, unresolved grief, you you talk a lot uh, a lot about in your ebook and and in your work. Can you tell us a little bit about about mm -hmm. unresolved grief is undelivered emotional communication, and it's basically anything that we wish was better or different than it is or was. So you know you can relate to it when someone dies and you don't have an opportunity to say goodbye or say all the things that you wish you had said, maybe apologize or forgive them for something that they said or didn't say. And so if we're left holding all of that, that's what unresolved grief is. So people can go back and look at, you know, an event from five years ago, even if there's emotional pain or upset in the memory of that event, it's more than likely that they're carrying unresolved grief. So I, I can think for many of us, a ton of examples of how that would show up in our life. How do you, how do you actually start to deal with that? What's the, <laughs> I know it's a big, big question with probably many, many different answers, but if you're suddenly going, okay, there is this emotional thing I haven't dealt with, maybe counseling, great solution, but for, for, for a lot of people, whether it's budget, you know, money, time constraints, all of those things, maybe that's not an option. What else is the path to resolve that? Well, the first thing I have people do is write down everything that they have lost. And I have that checklist on my website, the unresolved grief checklist. That's a good guide. And they probably would uncover other things that aren't on the list. But first of all, identifying everything that they've lost and then having a look at it on a piece of paper really brings it into view. And you can say, yeah, I've lost a lot. So acknowledging it first, acknowledging what has been lost and then allowing any emotions that come up as a result of acknowledging what's been lost. So a lot of people don't like to cry. They've been told not to cry. It's scary for them to cry. They think if they start to cry, they might not ever stop. And tears are actually the body's purification system. So if we allow ourselves to cry, it will stop. It will stop. Maybe not as soon as we want it to, but it definitely, will, the tears will stop. So acknowledging and then allowing. And you said uh, resources, money is tight for a lot of people. And so what they can do is find someone, even just a friend that they ask the friend specifically just to listen. They coach the friend not to try and fix or change them, just to hold space for them so that they can share what's on their mind and on their heart. And then with that release comes some freedom. Such sound advice, because I think so often we are just in this state of just go, 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 right? If I don't think about it, if I don't if I don't lift the cover or lift the lid, then it's all going to be fine. But I would imagine that's not your experience with your clients or even personally. Have you ever experienced that where you're like, I'm fine. I got this. We're good. And then just. Yes. And I love the word fine. I love using it in my work because fine equals feelings inside, not expressed. Feelings inside, not expressed. And when you talk about the lid, we talk about the lost pot. So our heart is our emotional lost pot. And we stuff things down into that lost pot. And we try to keep the lid on. And then the stress of life, which is your expertise, 
the stress of life comes along and heats up that loss pot. And eventually those emotions have to go somewhere. We can't hold them in. So it's like putting a kettle on the stove where the kettle starts to boil. And if it's got that spout on the kettle, eventually the spout will blow off, right? And that's what happens to us. So um, definitely unresolved grief simmering is something that will cause stress, lead to burnout, lead to sleepless nights. In terms of that, like I'm just thinking of how many people are still at home or still isolated in many ways um, and how they can really recognize what's what's going on. So we've talked about we've talked about just feeling those intense emotions or just trying to um, hide them away or struggling to sleep. I don't know if it ties to the stages of grief, but are there other ways for people to self-identify? that what they're feeling in their body or, or the thoughts that are going through their head are grief. Is that that unresolved checklist, like that unresolved grief checklist, or is it, or is it something else entirely? The unresolved grief checklist is more about the life events. The identifying in the body what's going on would be more tuning into what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And chances are pretty good. It's grief. You know, you just give it that name even. Oh, okay, I noticed that I'm, I'm feeling sad or upset, uh, even frustrated. We become less patient, more irritated when we're trying to hang on to unresolved grief when we're, when we're stuffing it down. And so every little thing becomes a trigger. So if people are noticing that they're more irritated, less patient than they used to be, chances are pretty good that grief is a part of what's going on, if not the root cause of what's going on. Yeah. So any of that just for a prolonged period of time, feeling that off, not sure what it is, not sure what's happening, feeling off, maybe that just checking in and, and assessing what's gone on in your life recently. Yeah. And not even just recently. So with the unresolved grief, come back to that again, it will surface as the result of a new event. So the pandemic forced everyone home into close quarters and forced them to be home with themselves. And so that's where a lot of the emotions started to get stirred up because there was all the additional external stress, putting pressure on people and creating that boiling pot. And then people being home together, close quarters, there's a lot of of emotional upset outbursts and unfortunately a lot of relationship breakdowns and separations as a result. I think it's I yeah I'd like to talk a little bit more about the pandemic uh, grief because it's just so pervasive and we're and we're not even entering this fourth wave we're in this fourth wave right and I think and I'm seeing a lot of this from friends or on social media right now of like the being fed up, right? That it's still going on and angry that these, I think we just had this vision that things would be done by now, right? Or Mm -hmm. that we would be on this road to recovery. So I wonder if it's almost this new level of grief of like, I had this hope and Mm -hmm. that hope is now not what it was. Is that just a layering up of grief? Is that, or does it even matter what we call it? Um, How, how do you suggest people approach this fourth wave when it maybe feels like there's less hope? I like the layer of layering of hope 
I like that you use that because the loss of hope triggers grief as well, right? And so what can people do? Find something to grab onto that will give them hope because unfortunately the loss of hope leads to suicide, right? And, and grief is definitely underneath all of that. Uh, it's a tough one to answer, to be honest with you. I think to embrace where we're at would be the answer. That's what I have people do. Embrace, embrace the grief, embrace the loss, embrace where we're at and know that eventually it has to get better. It has to. And learning to cope right where we are is part of what we're being asked to do right now, to learn the tools, to develop resilience. Really, really important for people to stay connected to someone, stay connected to at least one person. A lot of people who are grieving will isolate, withdraw. And so if people are grieving and they know that they're grieving, super important for them to reach out to someone and if a loved one of yours or somebody's is grieving, then super important for someone to reach out to them and, and just let them know that they're not alone. What brings you hope right now? Well, the work that I get to do yeah. brings me hope. And being able to share this message with people to normalize grief, to let people know that they're not alone, that there is a way through the grief that they're experiencing that definitely brings me hope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot about what brings me hope right now because, because I've been thinking a lot of what doesn't bring me hope right now, right? Like the news is just depressing all of these things. And so it is those, I, I find for me, it's those smaller moments than anything else, right? You know, my daughters laugh and how they're learning new things and, you know, how resilient kids are and so much to learn from that and you know being out in nature all these things do do help me for sure going through change after change after change for sure the little ones in our lives are the best teachers mm -hmm. they really are intuitively we all are born knowing how to grieve kids know how to grieve they know how to move emotion think of a ten temper tantrum that's them moving their emotion the emotional energy and so intuitively they know and then we come along and tell them not to not to feel the way they feel so if we could correct that one message that we give to young people and start to learn from them in the way that they do process their emotions i think that we would be better off isn't that interesting because it is such a societal thing right of the like don't have the meltdown in safeway come on like shh, shh, it's fine everything's okay stop crying Mm -hmm. and yet so you're saying we're just suppressing that over time yeah right yeah. we're totally okay with the good emotion good, you know in quotations good emotions but mm -hmm. the grief and the crying interesting yeah no I can see I can see in my own situations where I've definitely tried to calm my kids in public definitely allowing them their emotions at home but that feeling of like and we do that as adults right as well like I cannot melt down at work I cannot mm -hmm. you know I don't want to be the person crying in the bathroom stall do what do you suggest to people if they need to cry <laughs> in the bathroom stall is that okay go for a walk yeah absolutely go to the bathroom and cry if you have to 
I did that a lot when I was working, separating from my husband. That's when my dad died and we were in a reorganization. And so there was a lot of change and a lot of upset for me. And uh, I had a real awakening one weekend because a couple of days before I had been at work and I was in someone's office and I could feel my face getting red. And I heard myself saying, I really don't want to be dealing with your emotions right now. But I was projecting onto her thinking it was her emotions I didn't want to be dealing with. And then I raced out of her office into the bathroom and cried, went home, went straight to my bedroom and cried, and then realized on the weekend that it was really my own emotions that I didn't want to be dealing with. I'm curious then what you're, because I, I do feel like a lot of traditional workplaces are not set up to deal with people being whole human beings, right? It's the, this, this is the job that you come and do. What's your advice for leaders, um, HR professionals or leaders of a person, multiple people on a team? Your people are coming to work with their grief, whether it's related to the job or not. What's your advice for them to help people do their job while being human beings? I think creating the safe space for people to be just who they are. And, you know, you say coming to work, we're not really coming to work anymore. So our lives have really come together where work is home and home is work. There is no separation that we used to have. We can't actually leave home at home. Uh, when we're working from home. So I think creating the safe space, and what I mean by that is just letting people be who they are and show up exactly as they are. And so we can only be with grief, with others' grief, if we've been with our own. So I think I'll say that again. We can only be with the pain of another if we've been with our own pain or sat with our own grief. So that's why it's you know, people say, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. If we can just listen and know that we really don't have to do anything, we just have to listen and validate. And so if someone comes to work and they're not having a good day and they're able to say, I'm really not having a good day. And the leader says, I understand. Is there something that you'd like to share? Would you like to talk about it? Or just hold that space. I don't know how other, how else to say it, hold the space, make it safe. Strikes me that that's training that a lot of leaders need, but don't necessarily get. Also that they could probably benefit from grief counseling and coaching training as leaders of people, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think people have a reaction when we use the word counseling mm -hmm. over coaching. And uh, what I do is coaching. So the, train, the program that I take people through is a training program. It's an educational background with action steps for people to take. And yes, definitely leaders would benefit from a version of that training just to know what is grief, you know, what does it look like? How, what does it sound like? And then how to, to be with people and also to give people the time and space to grieve. You know, typically we get three days off for bereavement and that's really not enough time if someone is actively grieving right? so we try to rush to get over grief or get around it and so we race back to work thinking that we can forget about it but we can't so 
I myself, classic example, I showed up at work every day for a year during the separation and divorce. Was pretty proud of myself that I didn't miss a day of work, but I definitely was not present when I was in that chair at work. Well, like you've just said, right, we have a specific allotment of days for one type of grief, not for the 40 others, right? Mm -hmm. And so whether as an individual having to take, make that choice to take, whether it's sick days or vacation days or, you know, a weekend set aside to really just have that time for yourself to process. Unfortunately, the onus is on the individual a lot to do that as it's not a mandated set, you know, days that you have available to you. Right. I just caught the word you said yeah. process. I like that too, because it is a process. Grief is a process. You mentioned earlier the stages of grief, and there no, are actually no stages of grief. A lot of people go to Elizabeth Cooper Ross's book uh, mm. looking for a resource of how to grieve, but she actually wrote that for people who were dying to help them understand and accept and reconcile what was coming next. So that's part of where people get tripped up when they're grieving. They think that they should be fitting into these stages where they should be fitting into this denial stage and this anger stage. And then they start to wonder what's wrong with them because they're not fitting into the stages. So I like to use the word waves. Grief comes in waves rather than stages and it can come at any time. I was sitting in the hairdresser's chair and tears just started to stream down my face. And she asked me if I was okay. And I told her, yeah, my dad had just passed away. Uh, and I guess I was just thinking about him. I wasn't even, I don't know that I was consciously thinking about him when it happened. It's, yeah, no, it's, uh, you have me doing some deep thinking right now in the background of just all the sort of situations that I've been through. And we were, um, you and I were talking about just before we started hitting recording that you'd read the first chapter of my book. And I see that as a, you know, I went through a lot of grief in a, in a short space of time, but it's, I don't think I would have, I think I would have said someone getting divorced was going through mm -hmm. grief. I don't think I would have always said that the children mm -hmm. of divorced parents were going through grief in the same way, especially as adult children of divorce. And so that's, yeah, there's, but based on your definition, you know, it fits the bill. <laughs> it does have goosebumps. Have goosebumps in your recognition of all the grief that you were going through at that time. Because when I was reading your book, I could see it. I could see the grief. And unresolved grief manifests itself in physical illness and disease. Because the emotions of grief store themselves at a cell cellular level. So they store the energy of grief stores itself in your body. Yep. And then it manifests in all these secondary illnesses and diseases. Yeah. Shingles when you're in your 20s. Totally normal. <laughs> Hope everyone can hear my sarcasm. <laughs> I got your sarcasm. So are you, are you open to sort of sharing how you got into this work? What brought you to, to being a grief coach? Absolutely. I think we all have a story and a journey that has us do the work that we end up doing just like you, right? You had your journey through stress and then you wanted to share it with others because you learned some things that worked for you. And it was similar. So it started with me doing a life coaching certification. And then after I did that certification, someone that I met in the program invited me to a grief coaching weekend. 
And I always say that I naively went thinking that I was getting coaching tools, but really what I was getting was life tools. And I ended up working through my own grief. And one of the recommended reading, one of the books that was recommended from that program was the Grief Recovery Handbook, which is the certification that I now hold. So as soon as I read that book, I knew that I wanted to be certified. And then I've just taken you know, my life experience and my professional training and put it all together to support people and meet them really wherever they are in life. So the clients that come to me now, the people that come, it's always some sort of life transition that has them look at how is their life going? What changes do they want to make? Why aren't they able to make those changes? And sometimes it's really just getting their feet back under them after a big loss. I looked over there because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have the grief recovery handbook right there and have not cracked it yet, but but uh, probably could benefit from that for sure. Do you know where you got it? I think from a little free library. Oh, like, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm pretty sure I have heard good things about Mm -hmm. this, so we'll need to check it out, but so I would love to sort of, before we move into the final questions that I ask all of my guests, what, um, what's going on for you right now? How can people get in touch with you? Uh, do you have any new programs or anything going on? What's, uh, what's, on, what's going on in Melody's life? Well, about a year ago, I took some additional coach training on positive intelligence, mental fitness. And so that's what's going on right now. I've been running lunch and learns on advertising it on LinkedIn, running them on Zoom. And it's just a small private group and running these lunch and learns to introduce the idea of mental fitness and then inviting them to participate in a group program. And the way that I've been doing it is to take couples through the program, but in two separate groups so that they get their own experience of the program but they have um, common language that they can use as they're going through the program. And it's been improving relationship connections as well as communication. So that's been a lot of fun. And I'll be running another one starting September 28th. Ah, that's amazing. Well, we'll make sure to link to it in uh, today's show notes so people can sign up for that. Is there a cost to that? Is it, I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so for the lunch and learn, no. Yeah. For the program, yes. And the program yeah. is an eight-week program. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure to to link to that. Okay. So that was definitely a big conversation. Grief is not a small topic. So I really appreciate you you chatting about this with me. What's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years? The one that I'm reading right now, I think, and it's called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. And part of the reason why I like it is I think I could put grief in any time she talks about radical acceptance. And the concept is to draw it closer, to accept exactly where we're at, right? And I always say, embrace your grief. And she's talking about radical acceptance, accepting exactly what's happening. One of my coaches said, things are only a problem if we hold them as a problem, right? So the pandemic is really only a problem if we hold it as a problem. Yeah, I know it's big. And it is like, there's no denying that there's a lot going on and that it's very challenging. But right where we are, where we sit, if we hold it as an opportunity rather than a problem, we'll see the opportunities for ourselves and for others. 
And also, I think if you can like, you know, pull it apart, right? And maybe we can't, maybe it's a struggle at the moment to radically accept it all. But if you take the pieces apart and say, okay, I'm going to look at this. How can I accept this grief, accept this situation and move from there and sort of layer on? Because, I mean, the whole ball of wax is a little bit intimidating, but yeah. yeah it is definitely challenging to, to see something very big in front of you. One of the things that we do in the, the mental fitness is to look at the sage perspective. And I call that our inner wisdom and looking for the gift or opportunity in any situation as challenging as it might be there's always something and if we can find even just that little glimmer of hope that we talked about earlier hope that this could be an opportunity or that there could be a gift and when we ask ourselves how could this be a gift or how can i move through this then the mind starts to look for the answers in a different way i love it What are some of your top go-to strategies for when you're feeling really stressed? Number one is to go for a walk. I love being outside and I think I could walk for days. I love being by the the water. So I go by the river quite often. And then using water to move emotion, a lot of times what I'll do is just stand at the sink and run water and imagine all of the emotion, all the stress going down the drain or do that in the shower first thing in the morning. I love that. I know so many people, myself included, who use the shower, if especially if needed to cry. <laughs> it's a nice place where it just like you feel like it's going to happen anyways. It Great. all runs off that one. Yeah, I like that yeah. perspective. What's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? That life is not fair. Trying to make it fair for ourselves or for our kids is a trap that we fall into more life is we look for harmony in life rather than balance looking for harmony accepting that everything is an ebb and flow and that energy comes in and energy goes out I I think that's a really important lesson and that I think a lot of us maybe feel grief or or stress from it when we're trying to make things fair or just justify why things aren't fair Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, justification is something, another trap that we fall into, right? If we just accept that things are the way they are, and we could even acknowledge, yeah, it's not fair. This isn't mm-hmm. fair. It sucks. Now what? Yeah. yeah. And the last question, Melody, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? To be at peace with where I'm at and to share, to share love and joy with everyone that I can. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Victoria. It was wonderful to see, to be with you and to share. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Last little reminder, again, go to the description of today's episode where you can find uh, the link to Melody's business where you can help, uh, where you can sign up for some of her coaching or to her free workshop that is happening on the 21st. And last but not least, Friday is your very last day, the 17th, to sign up for the Stressless Summer Bundle and save 55% on three of my top stress management programs. So I hope that you snag that before it's gone because I know we all love a good deal and I know we would love even more to have less stress in our life. 
I look forward to catching up with you next week with another incredible guest. Take care.